Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and welcome to the Analysis.News podcast. This episode is produced in collaboration with Other News. Other News is an international press platform that disseminates analysis, insights, and information about global issues in English, Spanish, and Italian. And you can find it at other-news.info. This podcast is a continuing part of a series I'm doing about countries that rarely get talked about in the North American press, but should be. Of course, every country should be, but these are particularly large and important countries uh, that get almost no attention at all. Today, we're going to talk about Bulgaria. When considering the U.S. presidential elections, not many Americans think of Bulgaria. But Bulgarians are following the race, and some think the outcome of the U.S. elections will have an important effect on the country. But first, a little background. Since July 9th, tens of thousands of Bulgarians have protested in streets against rampant corruption, calling for the downfall and resignations of the prime minister and the chief prosecutor. By some measurements, Bulgaria is considered the most corrupt country in Europe. On Bulgaria's southern border are Greece and Turkey and to the north, Romania and Serbia to the west. It's a member of NATO and the EU and most trade is with Europe. Russia, Turkey and China are also important trading partners. After the fall of the Soviet bureaucratic socialism, Bulgaria carved up much of the economy and sold it to a class of oligarchs, although the state still retains ownership of much of the arms manufacturing industries. Bulgaria exports more than a billion dollars of arms each year, mostly to the Middle East, largely sold to Saudi Arabia, who's funneled them to proxy armies in Syria and other places. Arms sales and the Saudis are a recipe for corruption everywhere. Bulgaria is also moving ahead with a controversial billion-dollar purchase of U.S. F-16 fighter aircrafts, anywhere from $1.3 billion to $1.7 billion, depending which report you read. This was in a deal made with President Donald Trump. Bulgaria is in a state of demographic crisis. It has had negative population growth since the early 1990s, when the economic collapse caused a long-lasting emigration wave. Around a million people, mostly young adults, left the country by 2005. A third of all households consists of only one person, and 75.5% of families do not have children under the age of 16. The resulting birth rates are amongst the lowest in the world, while death rates are among the highest. Bulgarian students were among the highest scoring in the world in terms of reading in 2001, performing better than their Canadian and German counterparts. By 2006, scores in reading, math, and science had dropped. By 2018, the Program for International Student Assessment Studies found 47% of pupils in the ninth grade to be functionally illiterate in reading and natural sciences. So what's driving the anti-corruption protests? And are the problems in Bulgaria really about corruption? Vladimir Mitev, a Bulgarian journalist, writes about the process of the restoration of capitalism after 1989. Quote, Transition was dominated by the ideology of anti-communism. Under its banner, a system of crony capitalism was created. Oligarchs emerged, while privatization and neoliberal reforms 
tore apart the social tissue and hundreds of thousands went abroad for decent jobs and living conditions. Now joining us from Bulgaria is Vladimir Mitev. He's the editor-in-chief of the Romanian section of the website The Barricade. Vladimir has appeared on Bulgarian national radio, Bloomberg Bulgaria TV, and given interviews and written articles in many places. So thanks for joining us, Vlad. Thank you for having me, Paul. So you wrote in one of your articles that the outcome of the U.S. elections might have a significant effect on Bulgarian politics. So why in the context of a protest movement that's been going on for months, uh, why does the outcome of the U.S. elections matter to Bulgarians? I think it matters in a way for Bulgarians, but probably even more for our political allies. And... Um, Bulgaria as a country of uh, the region of southeastern Europe uh, gives primary importance to its connection to Euro-Atlantic allies and so on. So you can imagine that um, whoever is in the White House, no matter Democrat or Republican, uh, he has to be on good terms with the Bulgarian allies. And that also means that uh, within these allies, certain changes or re alignments or maybe um, repositionings should take place, uh, taking in consideration that uh, maybe there will be change, maybe not. We still don't know the outcome of the elections, but Bulgaria as a country which is to survive uh, in these uh, circumstances of our region, it has to have all options open. At least uh, I, I don't suggest any conspiracy about that, but certainly I can imagine that every state has its uh, state interests. And right now what we have in Bulgaria with these protests seems like to be like um, what the uh, Americans were saying once uh, about Iran. All options are on the table. At least that's my feeling. We, we have all types of political, geopolitical, whatever you call them, currents that protest or somehow take position with regard to the protest or with regard to the government. And uh, I believe, um, or at least that is the belief which is set, uh, which we comment, uh, the result of the, these elections will probably uh, matter to what will happen in Bulgaria too. Well, the, the protest movement is against corruption. It's really directed at the uh, prime minister and the chief prosecutor and you know calls that they should step down, they should resign. And, and it's about a chronic systemic corruption that has evolved ever since the uh, fall of this bureaucratic socialism uh, when they divided up all the public assets, so much of the public assets and kind of looted the economy. Uh, so, but why does, what is Trump's relationship to all this? Why does Trump matter to this? And, and, and is this current government uh, closely allied with Trump? Um, it is all, of course, very complex to discuss um, who is aligned with who, because at least my experience from living in Bulgaria is that um, things are very mixed, interwoven. Uh, so our political lobbies as well are interwoven with one another and with different partners around the world. Uh, but certainly, if we stick to the facts, maybe we will notice that um, Borisov, the Prime Minister of Bulgaria, was accepted in the White House at the end of 2019. And it was because his government pushed forward through certain resistance, for example, by the President Radev, uh, with the deal for buying of military warplanes from the USA. And as a result of that, 
um, the military ex- expenditures of Bulgaria grew significantly. So Bulgaria turned out to be, uh, it may be temporarily, one of the uh, most militarizing states in terms of military expenditures in the world, and certainly in NATO as well. So Trump uh, accepted Borisov in the White House and lauded him for uh, this great deal. And uh, that could be a hint at um, uh, if we want to understand uh, the attitude between the government and uh, the administration in the White House. And also maybe it it, wor- it is worth it to know, to notice that um, uh, the protesters are the urban middle class. And uh, I think in a number of countries in our region, the urban middle class uh, has uh, generally affiliation with corporations, uh, creative professions. These are young professionals and they have um, a pro-European face. I mean, many people from these circles seem to be affiliated with uh, NGOs or with uh, European technocratic institutions. So maybe I I don't suggest that things are so simple as I describe them, but uh, maybe these facts could be hints at uh, if we want to understand better um, what is going on. Um, at one point, President Radev, who, if I understand correctly, the protesters like or like better than the prime minister and the prosecutor, if I'm right about that. Redev wanted to uh, block this arms purchase, uh, at least didn't like the terms of the deal. Uh, did Redev ever come around to support it? And how controversial is this purchase amongst you know the population? If we speak about the population, I'm not sure uh, Bulgarians have been so emotional about this purchase. I think it's more important for our allies I can try to to explain um, why, uh, but if we speak about Radev, uh, he had uh, he's a military pilot, so there is a certain uh, belief that he is aware of what the army needs in terms of air, um, air combat equipment. So he was uh, opting for another deal with uh, a Swedish. Uh, producer which is called producer who is called Gripen. Uh, there were very many details at that time when the deal was about to be concluded. There were discussions about um, transfer of technologies, uh, different bonuses that were proposed to Bulgaria. In any case, uh, it was also suggested that that deal has certain geopolitical dimension in the sense that at that time there was also looming discussion or it was expected that some move should be made with regard to energy projects which are related to Russia somehow. For example, the extension of the gas pipeline which comes from Turkey, from the Turkish stream, it is uh, to pass through Bulgaria, it is currently being built. And uh, at that time, it was suggested that Borisov, as some kind of great geopolitical player, should do something for the Americans to satisfy them and maybe to receive certain free hands to act um, 
in other parts of the world with other partners. So when we speak about the protests, maybe I, I should say also that, that there are different intrigues, if I may say. Uh, one is certainly related to anti-corruption and uh, control over the judicial system. But there are, is another, for example, related to European funds. As we know, there will be a new uh, multi-annual financial framework of the European Union, and it is important who will distribute European funds in Bulgaria. So, in other words, who will hold the government. Uh, and also, the Russian energy projects seem to be somehow related in the sense that Mike Pompeo had uh, already said at the beginning of the protests, uh, so in July, that there will be sanctions for those entities that realize those projects. And now it is um, a curious uh, game, uh, in a way, for uh, the Bulgarian government. It is branding the extension of uh, what, what is called uh, the extent. What is uh, in reality extension of the Turkish Stream? It is branded as a Bulgarian extension. So it is built by Bulgarian uh, funds, and um, it is um, so. So it is curious whether this will be accepted or it will be sanctioned as a, a maneuver from the Bulgarian government to both satisfy the Russian side building this extension and also have certain independence in, in a way or uh, making something with its own resources. So the buying of the F-16s to some extent you think could be a sort of a payoff to the U.S. to allow the Bulgarians to do some energy deal with Russia? I can't say that. Uh, I mean, it was suggested at that time and maybe it was also suggested as a way for uh, those people in Bulgaria who may be against the deal to somehow swallow it. Because you know that uh, uh, there are different sensitivities. Some people, Bulgaria is simply a society which is um, divided. It doesn't have a unified norm about who is the good guy in international relations in the way that other countries of the regions have. So there are also people who are sensitive towards Russia. There are people sensitive towards communication with USA. So maybe I think it might also have been something suggested in in the for internal political reasons in our public space, but maybe it might also have had some value in international relations. I can't know for sure. Now, if, if this number is correct, that almost half of grade nine students in Bulgaria are functionally illiterate, um, how do people feel about spending, uh, you know, almost a, a billion and a half dollars on F-16s? I mean, what is Bulgaria even going to do with all these F-16s, except maybe join in some American military adventure somewhere? You're very right. Bulgaria has various social problems, and uh, that was a criticism addressed at that deal. It's not only education, various public services have been insufficiently funded, and for, for many reasons. I mean, that is one of the heritages of the transition period. Also, Bulgaria, compared to its neighbors, just these airplanes doesn't change anything in the military balance or whatever. So it looks like it is a geopolitical deal. I mean, it, it has another value. Maybe it is important for Trump to prop up the American military industry. Maybe it's important for Bulgaria also to modernize a little bit the army, which is set to be uh, more than 90% of it still with Soviet uh, times uh, weapons. But maybe it also has some political value in international relations. 
Yes. The uh, school system and much of the social infrastructure of Bulgaria uh, seems to have really deteriorated since the uh, fall of you know, what was called some kind of socialism. I'm not sure what word you used to call what it was, but I know for now I'll call it bureaucratic socialism. But the uh, living standards, at least for most people, actually seem to have gone down, uh, not up. And I know at the time, uh, you know, all of Eastern Europe, all the Balkan countries, uh, but they were all promised, you know, if you get rid of these socialists, these communists, you're going to wind up living like uh, Western Europeans. Well, that it's far from what's actually happened. So what's, what has happened in terms of people's psychology about this? You know, they must be awfully disillusioned with how things have turned out. Um, yes, um, uh, I, I was um, young uh, in the beginning of the 90s, but I certainly remember uh, the enthusiasm of many people uh, which uh, uh, imagined that uh, with the strong uh, state control being gone or uh, reduced, uh, they will have the possibility to be a little bit more American-like, to have their own small business. To I mean, they, they seem to have thought that uh, they could just continue the good things from the old system, which uh, in a way was allowed you to... People were somehow equal, and that meant that there was certain vitality in a sense of life, People just were interacting very much. There were greater levels of solidarity. So maybe it was expected that we would just have the freedom to um, to, to to expand this lifestyle. But uh, also the 90s were the years when uh, this uh, forceful transition from public to private took place. And uh, in Bulgaria, just like in other countries, but maybe mostly like in uh, the Russia, uh, the transition was done with um, the help of the organized crime. Um, in the sense that uh, there were people who were uh, running uh, some kind of extortion companies and uh, those who, were, who used to have uh, their small businesses were forced uh, either to pay sums for protection this was, I speak about the medium year, the, the middle of the 90s especially. They, they had to pay sums for protection or if they don't pay, uh, force was being applied on them or on their business. So um, this development certainly uh, led to various social divisions. It led to accumulation of capital by some who had the power um, at that time. It also led to disenchantment, which for many years uh, has been increasing. And there are various reasons for that. And that is also a very big issue. Maybe you would like me to be more detailed in some dimensions. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I um, wrote in the article which you quoted that transition has been harmful for the social tissue, as I said. And that is in many senses. So, for example, I, I, I told you that this uh, the, the private opportunity, the small and middle business has been hit. But also, I think what is more significant, the possibilities to change from below, the grassroots change, uh, the possibilities for some common people to organize and do something together, they have been really seriously harmed all the years, even after we entered in the European Union. 
the government of GERP came to power in 2009 on, in, on national scale. And one thing I have heard about it is uh, claim is that it was uh, the government of the bodyguards of those who did the transition. So, you know, I uh, mentioned that uh, it was there was primary accumulation of capital, which was done in many cases in an illegal way. And uh, at a certain moment, the, 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 this claim at least says that um, somebody has to guard over the possessions. And um, maybe in this context, also, these protests seem to be interesting because um, Bulgarians didn't have a lot of energy for any massive public uh, unrest or uh, um, organization or activity. There is, uh, just like in other countries of our region, there is generally suspicion when somebody is doing something new, when somebody is acting in the sense uh, in public interest, let's, his, let's say he claims to be in public interest, there is always certain suspicion that there is something undoubtful, let's say, that somebody stands behind this action. So in this case of this protest, it's interesting that um, the urban middle class, which for some time was also um, accepting Borisov, is now against him. And uh, this is... Um, this could be a sign of certain division inside uh, the Bulgarian elites. Uh, maybe uh, the, this uh, urban middle class has finally felt or decided that uh, it is um, humiliating for it uh, to have um, a prime minister of um, the type of Borisov. I don't know if I need to explain details about uh, the type of Borisov, but... Uh, oh, you can give us one that would make it clear. He's not fluent in foreign languages. He's uh, a very Bulgarian type of man, and uh, he's uh, strong in dealing... He, he came in po- uh, politics through the police, so he was strong on putting uh, things in order or in controlling certain gangs. But when he wants to, uh, he said himself, what is his governmental formula? What is his success in politics due to? A few years ago, when he was speaking to some workers in the province in Bulgaria, so he said uh, that um, uh, to these workers, I'm stupid and you're stupid too. So that is why we understand one another. Well, he claims that even though these people are protesting day after day, uh, that he actually has a majority popular support amongst the working class and in the in the countryside. Is that true? I'm not sure he has the majority support. He certainly has some support. And a part of this support is not exactly towards him, but it is more a kind of resentment at the faces of the protests. It is just that uh, uh, in Bulgaria... I told you there is no universal norm, so they are not simply good guys and bad guys. We have uh, hatred towards various politi- politicians or social groups. Um, so I have heard people saying that uh, they don't support Borisov obligatory, but they don't accept what uh, these protesters are or um, represent. Uh, Borisov has uh, support in the state administration especially, it is uh, because um, his party came into being, in fact, uh, with the help of um, a number of uh, former policemen and intelligence operatives who entered politics and became local uh, representatives of the party. 
and uh, at, uh, uh, with the time uh, he created something similar to communism in the sense that uh, uh, in before 1989 we had a party state so the party was kind of equal to the state and uh, uh, politics was reduced to one party even though formally in socialist Bulgaria there were two parties so there was at least uh, formally there was a, a kind of um, alternative if you don't want to be with the socialists you could be with the agrarians but in reality it was one party uh, political system and uh, in Bulgaria for the last years uh, GERB, the party of Boyko Borisov was uh, the party which was distributing the European funds uh, to loyal firms It was doing appointments in state administration and you can imagine that if you hold both the national uh, government and uh, the state, uh, various state institutions and local government in almost all the places, you have a, a big resource uh, to propose to or to offer to your voters. So it was just, there was a feeling that you can advance socially basically through this party. If you if you want to be a loser, of course you can join other parties, you can join businesses or work for businesses or make your own business who is not affiliated with this party, GERP. But that could mean that you be, uh, there will be a lot of checks by the tax institutions or various state institutions upon you, while your competitors from th this party um, will not face the same uh, high level of control. So there were there were different people crying that uh, given that they are not accepted in the circles or they're not supported by the ruling party, uh, they are undergoing certain kind of abuse by state institutions. And you can see here a, a link to what uh, these protests are about too, because uh, basically they say that uh, anti-corruption in the way it has been done in the recent times has been done in a corrupt way, <laughs> which benefits a part of the oligarchy, but hits many other people who may be also hit just for political reasons, just because they have fallen out from grace. When I interviewed uh, one of your colleagues at Barricade about the situation in Romania, uh, she was saying that, especially in the countryside, but not only, there's a lot of influence of right-wing conspiracy theory, uh, the sort of uh, extreme religious sort of propaganda has a lot of influence amongst people. And even, you know, things about the pandemic. And let me ask you how the pandemic is affecting Bulgaria. But it's also how much is the pandemic seen as, as sort of a conspiracy? Uh, I, I, and I was reading somewhere that uh, there's people in Bulgaria, although I think it's not just in Bulgaria, who are blaming George Soros for the for COVID uh, pandemic, which uh, I guess in Eastern Europe, Some people blame Soros for everything. But uh, this kind of worldview, how much influence does it have? Um, first of all, uh, you are right that uh, there are conspiracy theories in Bulgaria too. But uh, I am also a Romanian speaker, so I have a little bit, I can make a little bit of comparison. 
And uh, I think the Bulgarian conspiracy theories are a bit different from the Romanian ones. The Romanian ones seem to be focused very much indeed on coronavirus. And coronavirus outbreak in Romania is really serious. Uh, I mean, certainly more serious than the one in Bulgaria. The Bulgarian one, they too, uh, they're, for example, parents of children who are sensitive, uh, if I, if that's the word, I mean, they don't accept that their children should carry masks at school. So there is uh, certain, there is this opinion, there exists this opinion, just like in Romania, that uh, carrying masks is something like a freedom. Um, I mean, not carrying a mask is a sign of freedom. So pe- there are people who want to be free. They want to have the right to choice. Uh, but also, uh, I think, the, especially the coronavirus uh, conspiracies, are a little bit uh, more tempered in Bulgaria, maybe because the measures against coronavirus are no, also not so strong. For example, in Romania, uh, you have to carry mask even at open spaces, uh, for example, in the center of Bucharest or something like that, while in Bulgaria, um, the authorities have been aware maybe of um, uh, that uh, people, uh, if the people are pressed too hard, there will be resistance, Uh, so they have been generally um, kind in their measures, uh, control measures. Um, I can also, I remember that uh, a few months ago uh, in Romania, there was, uh, uh, for example, you have to, you could go out of your home only if you have a document pre- printed and s- signed by you, which states your purpose of going out. Like, and there were only a few possibilities that allow you to go out. Well, in Bulgaria, uh, there was control in the quarantine, quarantine times um, for traveling from one city to another. But within the cities, there it was uh, free movement. Well, if, that, if that's true, then why was the outbreak in Romania worse than Bulgaria? May, may I just uh, finish uh, a little bit with the conspiracies? Because there are conspiracies and I wanted to tell you the difference. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. In Bulgaria, conspiracies seem to be more aimed at uh, the NGOs, while in Romania, I just don't hear, maybe I'm, maybe I have missed something, but I don't hear this anti-NGO discourse being formulated. Well, that NGO discourse means, usually means Soros, doesn't it? Isn't that what they, the, a lot of the accusations are? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I myself feel a little bit uh, uneasy to discuss so much uh, like Soros uh, it's so abstract this word Soros uh, that I, I'm not sure I have there is something to discuss but indeed uh, there, there is this belief that uh, these NGOs in Bulgaria which for example provide social services uh, they seem to have some agenda which is anti-Bulgarian, anti-traditions they, uh, and in a way Uh, there indeed um, uh, this um, um, social uh, these NGOs which deal with social affairs they're modernizing the country in a way uh, it is exactly um, it, it is true they're bringing modern practices in care about people with disabilities for example um, in uh, child care etc but um, uh, people who support the conspiracies in Bulgaria, uh, they, I think they have low faith in institutions. 
any type of institution, state, NGOs, whatever you call them, uh, they seem to want uh, just to be left alone, just to be a- able to do what they want. Um, so in this uh, sense, um, uh, the conspiracy theories in Bulgaria are a bit different. There have been protests against uh, certain uh, perceived abuse in child care, like the, uh, the perceived uh, uh, ability of uh, state uh, institutions for care control to take out children from families and things like that. It was suggested that trains with children will go, uh, start leave Sofia for Norway, uh, so things like that, uh, which are pure fantasy, of course. Um, but uh, you, you see that this fight between people who support Trump and people who support Soros uh, without any deep understanding what these things mean has been going on in Eastern Europe, I may, maybe all over Eastern Europe. Um, so Bulgaria is not exception in, the, in this regard. Some of the Jewish organizations have issued statements saying this attack on Soros is just a thin, a thinly veiled uh, anti-Semitism. And that's the, the sort of you get a combination of anti-Semitic attacks on Soros and then attacks on these NGOs, which they say are promoting gay marriage and things like this. Um, and that a lot of this is getting its sort of uh, is getting nourished from the United States. Is there evidence of that? It has been suggested that uh, uh, some networks of religious organizations, which seem to be both American and Russian related um, promote uh, such conspiracy theories. But uh, it is complex um, because, as I told you, uh, the government in Bulgaria right now has this uh, junior partner, which is um, the Nationalist Coalition. And within this Nationalist Coalition, there are people who... um, Simply that is their agenda, that is their message in politics, that they fight Soros, that, um, uh, and they seem to be supportive indeed of um, any resistance to Soros and uh, use this as a political capital. And, he's, and the leader of that party is deputy prime minister, is that right? He's minister of defense, in fact. Oh, so he was involved in the F-16 purchase. Yes, yes. Oh, that's interesting. And he would be, he'd be the closest uh, ideologically to Trump. I, I should quote him. Uh, so with regard to the protests that are going on right now, he made a curious statement that um, uh, he, these protests want the so-called gender republic, which uh, is another uh, gender is another word which is Soros linked. I don't maybe I need to explain to, to your public. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because uh, gender does not just mean uh, social dimensions of sex you have, but uh, it it became a pejorative term, like uh, the people who seem to have certain either uh, certain openness to LGBT culture, whatever that is. So they may be themselves LGBT people, or they might be feminists, or they might be just tolerant people. They might just don't like to, Nazis. They might be Antifa. So any type of people 
who don't uh, who have some resistance don't reproduce and have resistance to this uh, obscure uh, ideology against Soros they are uh, labeled as gender people and uh, and in in this sense when Karakachanov says that the protesters in Bulgaria want gender republic one can think that uh, What is so bad with gender republic? I mean, that that might mean a republic where where um, people LGBT people are uh, treated as equals. Uh, but he certainly suggests uh, indirectly, without saying the word Soros, he suggests that he this is not his type of uh, uh, people who are protesting, and uh, he in a way mobilizes his supporters against. These protests. Uh, uh, just to be clear, you're using the word gender republic. Yes, yes. G e n d e r. Yes. Yeah, okay. And as you said, this is not just happening in Bulgaria. It's happening in, in many of Eastern European countries, where this anti-gay uh, agenda uh, is used to kind of promote re- authoritarian politicians. It's, I mean, and there's nothing new and novel about that. Hitler did the same thing. Uh, this is to what? To use this sort of fanaticism to bring this ultra-nationalist party to power. I told you that this discourse has certain support in society and maybe can give political legitimacy for some time to some politicians. But also it has to be said that these societies of Eastern Europe, they have underwent certain, in a way, violent transitions. It was harmful to the social tissue, as I said. I gave some examples as well. So uh, as a result of all the things that have happened, so you can say that, uh, for example, a part of the international allies, uh, like business allies, took over a part of the Bulgarian economy and its resources. You can say that the local oligarchy also took over some resources. And there are some people uh, who, I don't know the, the, whether they understand that consciously, but they just understand that uh, they lack resources and uh, power uh, within their country and there is frustration which um, I'm not sure it is so illegitimate I mean I, I can I at least try to understand this frustration and for the state if, if I'm the state I would uh, uh, maybe I would have thought how to channel this frustration in a way that either is not offensive to the system or maybe can bring also certain benefits to the system. So in this context, I try to understand this general, some of the discourses which we have in Bulgaria or in our region. So you said something interesting a little earlier, which was this promotion of these conspiracy theories and you can, the sort of anti-gay religious uh, fanaticism, partly coming from American evangelical, right-wing evangelical groups, but also from Russia. Which I think is very interesting because the, you know, in some quarters here, you know, Russia and Putin are seen, you know, standing up to the Americans, and some people here think, you know, in a good way, uh, and, and and you know, Putin himself is quite controversial, but Putin, if I understand it correctly, has been very much behind the promotion of this kind of right-wing nationalist conspiracy-type ideology. Uh, to what extent do the Russians promote this in Bulgaria and, and how do people feel about that? What I said about uh, certain 
American Russian cooperation was more words of other people, which I have interviewed or I have discussed with uh, unofficially. But I myself don't have so much data on that. I just observe that indeed uh, um, the USA and uh, Russia, uh, they have been in a cold war, but uh, as far as I know, they have never fought a war, uh, a, a warm war uh, in, in, their, in modern history. And it, it is indeed something which uh, is worth to be studied. I mean, this uh, special cooperation, which um, is, goes unreported often in media, but also on Putin, uh, maybe the fact that I'm Bulgarian, maybe the fact that I, uh, I'm aware of a little bit of Russian language, uh, allows me to think a little bit more different about uh, Russia or Putin. I mean, Russia is a country which seems to have everything, all the currents, which basically which every country has. And uh, I'm not sure uh, uh, this pe- whether this personalization of Putin uh, does good to understanding Russia. So um, we seem to have uh, such type of politicians also in Bulgaria, like Boyko Borisov, who in fact... Uh, seem to be connected with everyone. And uh, the state, in a way, is doing the things through them. But that, that also means that you can find different kind of currents that act through them. It's not only one. And uh, in this sense, I'm not so keen on blaming specifically a country or a nation for something. I more tend to think that uh, just like uh, in the West, uh, there are billionaires like Trump or Soros who do, who does, do some fight between their uh, allies uh, all over the world map. I believe also in Russia, there are some oligarchs who may be pro-European, some oligarchs who are maybe more conservative. Uh, I just don't uh, feel all, any country puts all its eggs um, in one basket, as they say. Thanks very much for joining us, Vlad. Thank you for having me, Paul. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news podcast. Don't forget, with your donations, we keep doing this.